Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's twice-weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. Welcome to This Sunday's Game. We've another tip-top show for you to enjoy. We're first going to rock up to Helsinki, Finland to chat with new Nordic Region PRO Paddy Reynolds. He's going to tell us just how he ended up as a Nordic PRO and PRO for the Helsinki Harps, as well as what life is like for clubs and players in our Nordic region. Then we're going to swing south to Verona in Italy for a chat with TV producer and GAA aficionado Daniela Scalia about her time playing Gaelic football, the potential for Gaelic games development in Italy and her groundbreaking new TV series. But first, a bit of news. The prospect of a straightforward old-school knockout system for the All-Ireland Football Championship grows ever more likely as the GAA eye the autumn to get it all done. This weekend, Galway should be on the batter in New York to open the 2020 Football Championship. However, players and managers are split over it, but Mayo's Lee Keegan is very happy. He told RTE Sports' Raf Diallo that knockout nearly feels like a final each time you're playing. France have cancelled sports events until September and the Ligue 1 and 2 seasons were null and voided, just like Holland did last week. However, they could also be facing a bit of bother because SC Cambour, the runaway leaders of the second tier in Holland, have threatened the Dutch FA with a lawsuit because of the amount of investment they will now lose by not being able to be promoted to the top flight. At the time of lockdown, SC Cambour were running away with the second here. Today, the Vuelta España cycle race cancelled plans to depart Utrecht in Holland due to uncertainty over the cycling calendar. Meanwhile, former Tour de France champion Chris Froome, he claimed yesterday that he's not been dope tested since March 17th. By sheer coincidence, UK anti-doping yesterday, they used a meme of Pablo Escobar from the Netflix series and wrote, Sitting at home on this rainy Thursday afternoon, talking to the lamp. Is it even Thursday yet? Of course it was Tuesday. I've lost my sense of time and humour, clearly. If the answer is yes, here's a few ways to keep yourself busy. We like to call it keeping clean in quarantine, a thread. And it goes on then to say what you can do to uh, entertain yourself. We're sure that's not directed, Mr. Froome, in any way, shape or form. Of course, one Gaelic footballer fell foul of anti-doping. Ray Walker, the 35-year-old Carlo inter-county player, accepted a four-year ban for what appears to be meldonium in his system. He's claimed that he, it was in a, unintentional and just that he will accept the ban and get on with it. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of former Clare football manager and Munster County. So, uh, chairperson Noel Walsh, who died today, uh, 84 years of age. We will move on with the show and we're going to kick off straight away, or throw in even, with Paddy Reynolds up in Helsinki. And our first guest up on this Sunday's game, as promised, is the PRO of Helsinki Harps and the Nordic region, all the way from Leitrim, Paddy Reynolds. Paddy, how are you doing? I'm very good, I'm very good today. So, I'm uh, taking a little break from. Uh, from working on site here, lucky enough to be going to work under the current circumstances. So, all good. Kind of I want to talk to you, yeah, but I want to ask you first of all, what took you to Helsinki and, well, especially to Finland? Well, like a lot of uh, men from from Ireland and from the other nationalities in Finland, uh, it's a Finnish woman. Yeah, so my, my wife is Finnish. Uh, we had um, met in an electric picnic of all places. 
a number of years ago. And then we, when our son was born in Dublin. Um, and this is before, before you moved to Finland, were you involved with GAA at home? I was a mad GAA guy when I was younger. I played, God, from when I was like 12. And I was my local club in Leitrim, Alan Gales. And I played underage when I was under 16. I was playing on the minors and the under 21s. I was lucky enough, I was supposed... I was um, I'm the same height now as I was when I was 16. So <laughs> I was totally skinny and could run for hell. So, um, uh, you know, I played, I, I overplayed. And by the time I hit, well, I was playing, lucky enough, I was playing with the senior team when I was like 16 or 17. Fell out of love with the game because I just got too much. I maybe one of those guys, a lot of guys my age, I think, they kind of maybe weren't taken as good a care of as they got young guys are now. And we were just... You were playing all the time, and I just fell out of love with the game when I was about 21, and then just walked away. Didn't anything to do with it until I moved to Finland. So maybe 15 years away, didn't even kick a football. Like the get the rules had changed by the time I came back. <laughs> in that, I mean, it's an interesting thing you bring up before we, we speak about uh, the PRO work. Back in Leitrim, has that changed as far as you know? I, I'll be totally honest with you. I I don't know because I, I I left um, I left Drumshambo pretty much when I was 18. And then I was living in Dublin, and then I moved from Dublin to here. I fell out of love with GA. I literally, like, I, I, I love football, and I would keep an eye on the scores, see how Legion were getting on. But I literally would have had nothing to do with the GA. I don't even know if I'm in contact with anybody from the club. So I think I don't even know the situation of the Alan Gales club at the moment. I, you know, I follow them on social media, and I, I see that they have, I mean, I know that's, the youth programs and all these clubs now is amazing. But I would hope, and I do think that they they have, because I believe that a number of the players who were my age then are now the guys who are in charge. And I would like to think that they would kind of look after people the way that they wish they were looked after, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense, Paddy. Paddy, um, yeah. okay, logical next question is then, why the hell did you get back into it? I did that very Irish thing of moving to a new country uh, I need to make some new friends and uh, I have a kid so I'm not going to be going to the pub every weekend so I was like maybe I'll go along and I'll see what these guys are like and uh, I went along I'll be honest I said this actually to um, our uh, treasurer former chairman Nick who <laughs> I said the first training I went along to I just went along to say hello and I came back to my wife and she asked me how did, how did you get on and I was like oh, I don't know they all it seemed a bit like oh they're all a bit self-absorbed and into themselves and here I am now the PRO in the club like <laughs> in that group, like probably being that you know annoying person you know so but yeah no it, they're all good what I liked about it and it, it comes back to what you were saying about um, the burnout and I came back after a few years and I still enjoy football and it might not be a bit kind of like the, the politics of GA is not there because it's a mixture of Helsinki anyway the amount of um, I'd say it's 50-50 of Irish and non-Irish and that has kind of made it, there's, there's fun. It's fun to play. It's fun to go on a Sunday in winter and during the summer times, going on Thursday evenings. It's fun to go out and meet these bunch of guys from all over the world. We have, I mean, we have guys from, I mean, we had a board meeting the other night and there was two Irish guys in the, uh, in the meeting of seven. Yeah, we escaped the kind of parochial nature of what was GAA at home. Yeah. And it's more cosmopolitan when we're abroad, especially. So it is that it has a slightly different taste, shall we say. Um, overall, in the Nordics, how many clubs are up in the Nordics at the minute operating? Well, we have seven clubs operating at the moment and six that are 
fully operational. We have Olu here in Finland, our second Finnish um, team, apart from ourselves, Helsinki Harps. There in Sweden, you have Gothenburg, uh, Stockholm and Malmo, uh, Copenhagen and then Oslo. So we've, um, we recently only uh, put together the Nordic GA committee. So it's hopefully it um, brings everybody together and gets the communication going between all the clubs so that we can all help each other out. Because we're all at different levels and all at different different amounts of people in the clubs. And, you know, some clubs will have more Irish than others. So that makes it easier maybe but for recruitment and things like that. So I think this is one of the reasons why I, I'm behind the uh, Nordic um, GA is to help each other out. Just Let's just look at Finland itself. Uh, how is the growth of Gaelic football there? And what kind of number of nationalities, different nationalities are involved in, in Finland, Paddy? In with Helsinki Harps, we probably would have had, I'd say we have about 40 members. I'd say, like I said, 50% are probably Irish. Not all would play and go to tournaments because um, traveling to tournaments is a is a kind of like a expensive. So you might have even if you might have 35 to 40 registered players, you might have like maybe 15 to go to a tournament, and then that spread is 50-50 as well. We have a guy from we have some Peru, Finnish. Yeah, a lot of different nationalities. It's great to see the Finns. The Finns, the Finnish um, people involved um, really enjoy it. And in fact, our ladies team, are, are um, they're a credit because at the moment, I think we have one Irish girl. Some of the ladies who play with us um, play rugby. Rugby has taken a strong hold here in Finland. So a lot of the girls that play rugby have come over and started playing some Gaelic as well. And they quite enjoy it. You know, and a few of them represented the European... Hawks in the European in the last, games. World Games, yeah. sorry, yeah, World Games last year. So, I mean, they had an absolute ball of a time and they came back and I think that something like that, they, they just hear us telling stories and talking about it, with the Irish yeah. people talking about it. And then when they go there and then they, it might seem to maybe to Finns a little bit, oh, there's no organisation. But when you go there and you see how the community organises and gets together and things work and then they come back telling these amazing stories about how they had the best weekend best week of their life they were had so much fun and then that they tell their friends and then they tell other people and that makes other people want to come in on board so um, so yeah I think that's the way it grows um, How much of the coronavirus and the pandemic how is it going to affect your season Paddy and especially your work as not just Helsinki PRO but as PRO for, for the Nordic region Oh yeah like you say every country is individually um, affected everybody's full aware Sweden are on a different um Right, right. different paths than everybody else so uh, first of all our first tournament of the Nordic Championship was supposed to be in Copenhagen the second round is, is Oslo in May that has been cancelled but was penciled in was um, Stockholm in August and as is now that is still on the table to go ahead and I think we're kind of people are more hopeful than anything else and we're, we're all playing it by ear like here in Finland the government are actually making a statement on Sunday about and then it's going to be up to individuals like people might not want to individually travel themselves so yeah. don't know it's very up in the air so uh, even if it's a one day it's style tournament but we're hopeful that we will get something going by the end of the year I'd like I don't want first of all I think we need to just keep working together as them um, get all the clubs on the same sheet working together and sharing resources. And then that hopefully, I mean, a good example is the Viking Gales hurling, that they would be, I think they can grow out of this massively because then we can 
because there's no one there's no one single hurling club from any of the Viking Gale is an amalgamation of players from all of the clubs. Looking at um, uh, competitions in Europe that we might be able to when we come together might be able to focus our attention and kind of send teams together using our resources in regards to maybe getting sponsorship and stuff like that together as a Nordic and then sharing it out so that teams can travel because the expense is the big thing up here, traveling from tournaments. Listen, Paddy, thank you so, so much. A very good look for the rest of the season. Hopefully you will get a chance to, uh, to get back yeah. in the field. And uh, we're, looking, we're looking forward to hearing more from you guys as well in the, the coming months. Um, go on to Instagram to go to Helsinki Harps and uh, we'll uh, keep you informed of everything that's going on. Listen, looking forward to it. I always enjoy your feed because it's always where we're looking at, folks. So, Paddy, thank you very, very much and uh, have a great well done, rest man. of the day. And that was Paddy Reynolds. He's a PRO for Helsinki Harps and, of course, PRO for the Nordic region. So, fingers crossed, the Nordic region is going to press on and become one of the, let's just say, one more dominant regions in the GGE. Okay, I want to bid a very warm welcome all the way from Verona. She's a, a, a producer for TV especially. She's also a writer. She is an athlete and she's a journalist. And she would say herself that you can never get away from being a journalist. It's in your DNA. Um, she comes to us from gymnastics, volleyball, Aussie rules, cricket, rugby, soccer, and of course, Gaelic football. And she played for the Italian ladies national team in 2014. A very, very warm welcome even to this Sunday's game, Daniela Scalia. Oh, that's great, Alan. Thank you. And great pronunciation. That's it. First oh, time. <laughs> there you go. So it's, 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 it's natural. You know. uh, a quick question to start off. Um, yep. What brought you to GAA and to Gaelic football mm -hmm. in particular? You know, I've got a partner in crime in everything I'm doing, and we're going to talk about that. And I'm using the word crime <laughs> for, for a matter. And uh, the fault is of my uh, associate, Luca Tramontina. We met uh, in 2004 and uh, is, uh, is also a journalist, but is mostly um, an historian and an analyst of British and Irish sports. So he introduced me into rugby and then into GAA, and then I got a chance, thanks to Raffaello Franco and uh, Rovigo Ascaro, to, to have a go. Uh, first with football, Gaelic football, and then also a camp in Zurich that was great because we had also a free uh, course uh, in, in Zurich. Did you find uh, any differences between, between uh, the GAA community and, say, rugby or cricket or football communities? It was very welcoming from the very beginning. As long as you embrace the spirit, the fair play, you are you're willing to be involved and uh, share the spirit with, with the team. And when I say the team, I say Rovigo, but also Zurich or the Belgium team. Uh, doesn't matter if you want to play, doesn't matter if you're Italian, Irish or whatever, you are allowed to play. And for example, what I don't like very much about Australian football is there's a sort of allowance of uh, bad behaviors. GAA is more strict. Mm -hmm. uh, the same is rugby. Uh, not talking about cricket, that is uh, even more strict about spirit. Australian football is uh, is the first kind of oval ball I, I started playing. 
I wasn't very young when I started. So uh, it was the best way to start because you have the physical contact is uh, continuous, but it is not at uh, a high, uh, high velocity. So it's not that hard. But with GAA, you're not Irish. Doesn't matter. You can play our games. Fine. How did you find GAA as a uh, Gaelic football as a sport in itself? I think that is great because it's funny, it's quick, more democratic than uh, just soccer. Because you know you can use both your feet and your hands. And if you're not that skilled with your feet, you can use your hands. If you have a good view of the structure of the game. That you can you can also brought from for example for so, from soccer or from ice hockey. Uh, if you get that, I think that it's easy to to get into. Then of course there's there's an evolution of the skills. You you can get better and better. But I mean in, in Italy we have this the problem. It's an issue for me because uh, from the very beginning when the the the, the kids start on sport, it is just one discipline and that's it. Then, Danielle, just ask us, so you mean that they're, they're, they're made from childhood specialize in one sport? Yeah, I, I know, it's, uh, it's incredible. Uh, j- just an example, uh, I have a friend who was an eight-year son and uh, he used to play uh, rugby and uh, he was doing some judo or some sort of martial arts and he was eight and he said, okay, you, you're going to have two trainings in rugby and one in judo. The rugby team said, no, if you don't have all the three in rugby, you, you're not allowed to participate in matches and so on. Uh, on a world stage, we are, I, I don't say always, but often we are behind nations from the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth nations, because uh, there's... Um, there's an attitude, also in Switzerland or in, in the Nordics, uh, there's an attitude and uh, they used to, to do so many sports and disciplines starting from school. And then, of course, for example, on TV, when you have commentators, they, uh, they're shocked that there's an athlete that has to choose between uh, two different professional paths. Uh, for example, Jake Ball from uh, Wales rugby team, in my mind, he chose rugby over cricket, but he could have become a professional in cricket as well. And for us, it's just incredible. Me, I, I'm a weirdo because I'm doing so many sports, but <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I have fun. And with, uh, with friends, I say, okay, when you stop your season uh, in April, May or whatever, what are you going to do during the Easter why not giving a go at GAA? Of course, the issue then goes into burnout for young players. But at the same time, as you said, that range of sports develops all different manner of skills and abilities. So it, it, they joke at home, uh, my father always said that anyone who is no good at Gaelic football or hurling started to play soccer. And if they weren't good at <laughs> soccer, they played rugby. So, you know, I don't think that's quite fair. But no, just- I like it. I well, like it. <laughs> <laughs> evolution, evolution. Um, Daniela, uh, before I move on to just more of your professional uh, work, I want to ask you about the, the possibilities of growth or for growth of Gaelic football or Gaelic games in Italy. At this stage, we're not in the best position, in the best shape 
for Gaelic football in Italy, um, I think that they lose a chance uh, with the national team uh, uh, involving uh, some more Italian. There's been, I, I don't want to be, uh, now let's say we've been better. I, I'm, I consider myself uh, in, the, in the team. We've been better. There's a great team uh, and there's a great club that is different than a team. Yeah. Of course, in Italy, still difficult to understand the concept of club as, uh, as in the British word. Um, we have more teams and not the idea of clubs. Lazio in Rome is a great club. We got Padova and uh, Rovigo a bit fading away. The team raising up in uh, Milan, but uh, it's uh, completely made by expats. Uh, so if okay. you don't involve Italians, if you don't involve local peoples that can't grow roots, is, is it an issue maybe that the expat Irish immigrants, they're kind of closing the shop, they're not doing enough to involve locals? Sometimes, but it depends, you know. Generally, it is not like this, uh, as I experienced on uh, the other way around with the uh, Aussies. Communication is, uh, is really important. How you communicate yourself. Uh, it's easy now to communicate through all the digital and technical stuff we have. To communicate is uh, tough. If you lose the hook on, the, on your audience, uh, people that can come to play, give uh, uh, any sort of help to the club, you, you're not recovering them. Yeah, unless you go one by one saying, everything changed, trust me come back, we will do that, we will do that. And it's an hard job to do if you have to recover from something yeah. that... If you do something good, uh, one person will tell five people. If you do something bad, one person will tell ten. So it's that bit harder to, as you said, to recover. That's it. And it is also what we were uh, trying to do uh, with, uh, with television and uh, with the spreading the word through TV programs and so on, because uh, GAA has to decide that is really entertaining and fun and easy to understand. That's it. Uh, what we were bringing to our executives in, on TV, uh, this is a great sport. This is a great show. Plus, uh, showing the All Island final at a croc park with uh, 90,000 people is, uh, is an event, is uh, something that people want to watch, even if they don't understand. I, I mean, it's easy to spread the word about GAA in, in TV-wise and uh, media-wise for me. Yep. Um, so tell us about uh, Sport Crime. Uh, it is an international TV series, not distributed yet, but hopefully it will be um, at the end of the year despite the coronavirus thing. <laughs> and it's uh, about um, a sports agency based in Lugano that investigates sports-related matters and cases, not just what you can see and watch on TV, not on the news, but what's behind the scenes. And uh, it can be uh, of a various genre, actually, because uh, uh, every case it's different. There's an episode dedicated to one case, and uh, it can be uh, legal, 
religiously uh, tied or um, medical and so on and or really um, accurate about the, the sport part we have real sports people performing it, it's purely fictional I mean it's uh, it's not that mockumentary or whatever it is a TV series like the ones you watch on Prime or Netflix or whatever it's really different from from everything because uh, the sport has never been investigated this way and is never been chosen as the main frame for for everything also of course for uh, the human stories uh, of people uh, the ones of the agency and of course the the athletes and then like the recent one now about the chicago bulls the last dance is absolutely dance, yeah. terrific and well uh, sports itself is a drama so how hard is it to develop i i, I don't know because it really comes as a flow uh, in 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 the matter of writing, uh, uh, but of course there's a there's a big study behind a uh, big analysis because uh, all the cases as to be real or possible. Uh, there's nothing that is fictional in this. Uh, nothing coming from space uh, or whatever. Uh, it's everything is real, and uh, you don't have time to teach. Uh, let's say Matt Damon, six months of playing rugby for one, one scene, for example. So an ice hockey player is the best actor when it comes to dress and undress, talking, uh, dressing room stuff. Uh, they have to feel protected. They have to know that they have time to warm up. It, it's a difficult balance. That's why we're producing it as uh, independent producers. So we have some, uh, some youngsters we brought up. It's like our junior team. <laughs> we got uh, two actors that became main characters in, in the series and they're very cheered by the, by the audience. And we, we did that starting from the families saying, uh, we, we are willing to do that. We'd like your son to do that, like a, a sort of a rookie. What would have inspired you to do this TV series? Or what, what documentaries, what movies would have inspired you to? I think that there's a lot, really. But uh, sometimes it's uh, not just that so perfect. Uh, I think I realized, for example, when we shot in Rovigo, uh, the the GAA part, the Gaelic football part for sport crime, we choose uh, not the, the shiniest place to shoot that because in amateur game, you don't have everything perfect. If I have uh, a person in my club working with for, for an episode, for example, uh, I have volunteers there. I have uh, the old grass keeper and I, I want to I wanna have these people involved. I don't want to have actors or for, for doing that part. Why I have to teach someone how to close the gate if I can give something back to these people that are devoting their life, their, their hours, their weekends to the, to the sport club. That kind of flying the wall is always interesting, but what, what you suggested, well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. For getting football in, in Italy, get, ideally, what would you like to see happen? I'd like to see having back uh, Rovigo, 
because uh, there's a great community. Uh, there's a great manager that is uh, Raffaello Franco, who is uh, really and deeply in love with this game. I'd like to have him uh, a more support, maybe. I'd like to see some more club uh, trying to involve locals and try to understand that we can uh, do many more disciplines during the year and uh, that uh, even if you're if you're not um, if you're not an athlete if you are 45 years old you can be involved because then it will be uh, you your son or your daughter and having also this experience of playing with or against your son or your daughter is just something that is amazing and I, i'd like to see that I'd like to see that and I'd like to help that in every manner I can. And I, uh, I hope that seeing uh, these, uh, also this episode of Sport Crime would uh, uh, spark something saying, let's give it a go. What's the outlook for sport in Italy at the moment, Daniela? They're talking about that a lot, of course. And uh, of course, uh, uh, soccer is uh, is the leading example for that because uh, it's a sports industry you know if you talk about phase two and you talk about uh, opening business you, you can't not talk about uh, sport and soccer but it is really really difficult to say that because we don't have all the information so everything we say uh, is subject to to being reviewed uh, next week. Yeah, or tomorrow. You know, or, to, or even tomorrow, or even tonight. So, yeah. I I wouldn't be and I wouldn't like to be in their shoes. Okay. Really, I I can't foresee now how it's gonna it's gonna be. Finally, before we go, uh, you've been in lockdown for quite some time, a lot longer than most of us. What advice would you give? to our members around Europe how to deal with lockdown because we're still all going through it at least for the foreseeable month or so. Uh, first in the bucket list uh, watching the All-Ireland Grand Final 2014 okay. on YouTube and, and then catch the chance to dig a, a bit more into our sports uh, uh, okay. reading, reading, uh, reading the rules for example do we really know all the rules? It's a, it's a suggestion also that I'm giving to me as well. Oh. <laughs> that's it. Um, dig a bit into sports history because there's a lot of unknown uh, facts and curiosity that are really interesting. Amazing. Simple things, basically to watch the 2014 all final, dig into sports, especially sports rules, and to dig into sports history. Daniela Scalia, thank you very much for your time. And we're thank looking, you, Alan. We're looking forward to seeing sports crime on our screens. We hope you enjoyed this edition of this Sunday's game. Our thanks to Paddy Reynolds and Daniela Scalia. And remember, we will talk to you again on Sunday. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other.